0: Welcome back to the DIRS show. (laughs) A lot has happened since the last time um, we met. Some of it action, some of it inaction. Inaction, no indictment against Donald Trump yet. Inaction, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu has decided to defer any action on the so-called judicial reform. Tragic action, what happened in Nashville today. So many kids, so many people just being killed. It's just the most horrible thing in the world. And then uh, one personal thing for me, um, my book Get Trump uh, made it to the top of the Amazon bestseller list. It was number 12 in the world, basically, of all books sold by um, Amazon. But 11 of the 12 were either fiction or children's books. So I was the number one uh, nonfiction uh, book. Um, um, but now something, <laughs> something happened to the website and it's, it's a little hard to get my book. If you go on Amazon, uh, it'll tell you there, I don't know, a month long delay in getting the book, maybe because they didn't print enough copies. They didn't realize it would be such a bestseller, but you can get it by, by, uh, pressing alternate ways of doing it. You guys know more than I do about how to get a book on Amazon, but don't give up, uh, Hey, you can get it on Kindle immediately, instantaneously. But if you don't get it on Kindle, if you want to get the hardcover, you can get it through alternative buyers or something like that, or just you know order it, order it on um, uh, on Amazon, and you know you'll get it in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'll tell you about it. Don't worry. Um, so um, let's uh, let's start with the um, indictment, the non-indictment. Uh, what's going on? Well, I think what's going on is that. Grand jurors are revolting, or more likely, or equally likely, members of the staff of uh, Alvin Bragg, the district attorney, are revolting. These are these are terrific young young lawyers, just out of law school, who work often for the district attorney. Um, some of them are probably my former students. Um, it used to be that if people said they work for the district attorney of New York, that would mean Robert Morgenthau, Frank Hogan they would hold their head high. And wow, you work for the district attorney of New York in the Frank Hogan building downtown at 10 Center Street. Wow, that's a great job. I don't think people who are working in Alvin Bragg's office are going to brag about who they're working for. I think that Bragg is not going to go down in history along with Robert Morgenthau and Frank Hogan. I suspect he won't. Get to serve a second term. Now he wants to serve a second term, which is why he essentially campaigned along with Letitia Jones on the promise to get Trump. I mean, that's the name of my book. I didn't make it up. I didn't. This is not my my original title. I got it from the campaign slogans, particularly of Letitia James, who swore that if she was elected, she'd get Trump. Now, so so what happens? You campaign on a promise of getting Trump. You get elected, so you better darn well get Trump. But when they said they were going to get Trump, they didn't know what they were going to get him for. They knew the man, but they didn't know the crime. It's the variation of the old Stalin "Barrio, Show me the man and I'll find you the crime. So they showed the public demand. The they said, we're going to get Trump. Then they had to find the crime. So they rummaged through the statute books. They looked high and low. State, misdemeanor, felony, federal And they found, as my grandmother would say, bupkis, nothing, nothing. They couldn't find any obvious crime to charge him with. And as I've said to you before, Thomas Jefferson once said before he could charge somebody with a crime based on a statute, the statute has to be so clear that you can understand it if you read it while running, while running, well, I'm sitting. I've been sitting, studying criminal law for 60 years and I don't understand it while sitting. And and the reason I don't understand it is it's not there. There's no crime for, for there to be a misdemeanor, which has a two-year statute of limitations, which is long gone. Uh, for there to be a misdemeanor, you have to postulate the following, that anybody who pays money with a non disclosure agreement to hide adulterous sex acts from one's wife, then has to publicly report it on their corporate forms, not as legal expenses or anything like that. You have to actually say, I paid $130,000 to a porn star who I committed an adulterous affair with, and I'm trying to keep it from. My wife and family, and my business associates, that's the reason I paid the money. And that's the reason we got a non disclosure agreement. But now I have to disclose it. Has anyone in history ever done that? No. Has anybody in history ever been indicted for not doing it? No. So to get to the misdemeanor, you have to make up a crime. But misdemeanor wasn't enough. First of all, he might not have survived a motion, summary, dismissed on the ground of statute of limitations. So we had to go for a felony, which has a five-year statute of limitations, which still may cause a problem. But what's the felony? The felony is that you made the report that was false in order to cover up a felony. Now, what's the felony that he wanted to cover up? It's no felony to make a false report because you don't want your wife to know about it or your business associates to know about it. It's only a felony if you did it as part of your campaign, to be president, and then it becomes a campaign contribution. So you get a fake misdemeanor piled onto a fake felony, and one and one equals 11. Or in this case, zero plus zero equals 11. So I can easily imagine prosecutors, young prosecutors saying to themselves, I don't know, I'm not so sure. I don't think I want to be associated uh, with this. And I suspect we may see some resignations if there is uh, an indictment. To get an indictment, all you need is 12 votes out of 23, and that's the ham sandwich analogy. But occasionally, a grand juror, enough grand jurors will stand up, and they'll and they're called a runaway grand jury. It's not supposed to be the way it works. It's supposed to be, a grand jury is supposed to defend the rights of defendants, but it's become so common that the prosecutor tells a grand jury what to do. That if a grand jury doesn't listen, it's called a runaway grand jury. That proves how how much the grand jury's function has been distorted. So that's item number two, no inaction. Now I want to talk for the rest of the show on something that's very important to me. I know it's important to some of you, probably less important to others, but please pay attention because it's it's very important internationally and to the United States. That is, after massive, massive demonstrations um, against uh, Israel's proposed Judicial reforms, and I'll explain what they are in a minute. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu did something he rarely, if ever, does in his long career. You know, I've known BB for half a century. Um, and he's not the kind of guy who backs down or changes his mind, but he did this time. And to his credit, I commend him for it. Um, he basically gave in to the um, uh, minister of defense who he fired. Uh, the minister of defense said, look, let's pause this thing. I'm not taking them against it. Let's pause it. We have Passover coming up. We have Easter coming up. We're in Ramadan um, and we have Israel's 75th anniversary. We don't want to destroy all of those things by having demonstrations every day. Let's just pause. Let's put it on hold. Let's get back to doing all this after all these celebrations and holidays are over. That seemed like a perfectly reasonable thing that uh, Minister of Defense, Gallant, um, proposed and uh, Nataneo fired him, which I think was a big mistake and I think he now probably thinks may have been a big mistake. In any event, he went on television uh, today and announced that he would uh, pause the uh, judicial reform. The judicial reform is not a good thing. It's not really reform. It uh, takes away substantial authority from Israel's wonderful Supreme Court, which has been a gem, and some people say it's been the iron, the legal iron dome defending Israel from international criminal uh, courts. Now, Israel's Supreme Court maybe has gone too far; it, it's gone much further than the United States Supreme Court. Probably, it's the Supreme Court which has had the the, the most powerful judicial review of legislative actions and of other actions. And there's room for cutting back on that. But there's no room for cutting back on the role of the Supreme Court in protecting essential minority rights, civil rights, civil liberties. And so the proposal I've made is, yes, cut back a little bit on the court's power over economic and political issues, but not over core civil liberties issues. I spoke to Benjamin Netanyahu about that. And he used in my conversation with him, he used the word balance six times in the conversation, six times. We want balance. We don't want the extremes on either side. Balance, balance, balance. That sounds like compromise. But And in his interview with Pierce Morgan the other day, he also talked about balance and he talked about resolution. But when it comes to dealing with his very, very right wing cabinet, not all of them, but a lot of them, um, there doesn't seem to be room for compromise. Um the extremes on both sides are winning. So why compromise? And so I think it took a lot of courage and it took some cooperation from people in his cabinet to assure Netanyahu that if he called for a pause, that his government would not come to an end. Remember, in Israel, the ultimate check and balance uh, that Israel has is if you get uh, reduced the number of votes to 60 or below 60, you're out uh there's no impeachment there's no formal proceeding we'll do is one little vote and you're out of office if that's not a check and balance i don't know what is and so uh we're now in a pause situation don't know where it's going to go i have offered my help if anybody wants to listen to me i'm i have friends on both sides i have known on barack who is the former president of the supreme court who brought about the so-called judicial revolution which is being criticized now I've been his friend since 1966, 1966. How many of you were alive in 1966? We became close friends in 1966. I have never been to Israel without having dinner at his home. He and his wife, Elika, and my wife, Carolyn, are are close, close friends. But we're also close friends with Bibi Netanyahu. I've known him since the early 1970s, more than 50 years. Whenever we go to Israel, we have dinner at his house. In fact, once I had a birthday party in which both Bibi Netanyahu And Aaron Barak uh, attended and celebrated my birthday and and got along great and uh, really liked each other. And uh, so uh, I could play a role, perhaps, in helping to bring the two competing sides together. But I'm an American, and they probably want Israelis to uh, play the most active role. Let's remember one thing, no matter what you say about Israel. And here's a challenge I throw out to anybody. Name A more vibrant democracy, not only in the world today, but in the history of the world. I'm talking about going back to Greece. There's never been a more vibrant democracy than current Israel. What do I mean by that? They've had, what, five elections in the last six years? That's democracy. Governments don't last more than a few months. They have votes every few months to have a new government. That's democracy. And what about the challenges in the street, the protests. The protests worked. Nobody tried to stop the protests. This isn't Iran, where people get arrested or shot for having a protest. Benjamin Netanyahu said, I just want to make sure you protesters don't do anything violent. That that virtually is a support, not for the content of the protest, but for the right to protest. There is no country in the world today that has a more critical media than Israel against the government, Haaretz—it's—it's—it's it's, it's like um, you know uh, the op- opposition party's um, a platform. Even the Jerusalem Post is very, very, and everybody was critical of this judicial reform. Um, television, everybody on almost every television channel, uh, the major channels certainly are critical of Israel, and they operate. With government imprimatur, nobody has ever tried to stop the media from attacking Netanyahu or the government. That's democracy. The universities, I have honorary degrees from, what, six Israeli universities. I've taught at three or four of them. I know the universities in Israel very well. And the universities in Israel are almost unanimously opposed to this government. And they not only operate freely, they operate with government support. Nobody is threatened to take back the government funding of universities. And universities are among the most severe critics of this government. So, so what is undemocratic about Israel? There are some people in Israel, a few, a small number, who would like to end Israel's democracy. They would like to create a biblical theocracy. Uh, in which God's word, as given to the rabbis, would determine what the law is. You know how many people actually believe that in Israel and would vote for it? A very tiny amount. But that, too, is democracy. Letting people who hate democracy speak up against democracy, that's democracy. And then there are some people who are anti-democratic in the sense that they don't want to see democracy extended in any way to uh, the West Bank Palestinians. <clears throat> that's not Israel. That's an occupation. It's a different story. The law allows occupation until and unless all hostilities cease and the hostilities haven't ceased. And so there is an occupation. You can argue about that, but that's not Israel. But there are Israelis who advocate no democracy on the West Bank. That, too, is democracy, giving them an opportunity to express their views. So I repeat my categorical statement and my challenge to any of you, please to write me, name a country in the world, including the United States, Great Britain, Sweden, you name it. Name a country in the world that is more democratic than Israel, that has greater freedom of speech, greater opportunity to vote the mums out if you don't like them, You won't be able to do it because there is no such country. Israel is the most vibrant democracy in the history of the world. Israel today is the most vibrant. You cannot find throughout history any democracy which has voted more frequently, which has changed governments more frequently, which has had more demonstrations and successful demonstrations without any effort by the government to suppress the demonstrations, You can't find any government that has tolerated and allowed more actual freedom of the press, freedom of the media and academic freedom. It just doesn't exist. And so, yeah, you can criticize so many things about Israel. I do. Just like I criticize things about America. I love America and I'm critical of some of its aspects. I don't like some of the way the social media is being dealt with. You know, there are all kinds of compromises democracies make all the time. I have to admit, I love Israel, too. I was a Zionist from the time I was old enough to say the word uh, Zionist. And by the way, all Zionist means is I believe in the right of the Jewish people to have a homeland. Um, I'm, I don't argue about territory. I'm, You know, I'm a two-state solution guy. I'm in favor of a Palestinian state as long as it's peaceful and not armed and not engaged in terrorism and allows Israel to protect all of its uh, borders effectively. But um, for me, being a Zionist just means the Jewish people, like people all over the world, have a right to have a state. Uh, the, The Palestinian people claim that right, too. The difference is a Palestinian state explicitly under its constitution would forbid Jews from living there and holding office or or doing anything like that, whereas Israel's Declaration of Independence gives absolutely equal rights to Arabs. Arabs vote equally with Jews in Israel, and they have uh, several political parties, uh, a few of whom helped form uh, one of the last governments. So, um, you know, you can criticize a lot about Israel, but you cannot say Israel is not a democracy. And I have to tell you, even if all these reforms are enacted, I don't like them. I don't like them. I'm against them. I would vote against them. I would, I would campaign against them. But if every single one of them is enacted, Israel will still be one of the most vibrant uh, democracies in the world today. In fact, these reforms in some respects would make it more democratic in the sense that an elitist Supreme Court couldn't overrule it, but it would be a worse democracy. I think a better democracy is a democracy in which an elite court checks and balances the extremes of popular will, but it's popular will that makes the democracy. And then the check and balance is what keeps majority opinion from overwhelming minorities. And let's remember free speech is a minority right. Nobody has to protect the free speech of majorities. You only protect the free speech of unpopular minorities. Due process is a minority right. Nobody has to protect the due process rights of popular people. It's the due process rights of extremely unpopular people uh, that you have to protect. So it's minority rights that I want to see the Supreme Court continue to protect. I want to see them to continue to protect it in the United States, and I want to see them continue to protect it in Israel. So today we've talked about delays, delay in the indictment, delay in the judicial uh, reform. We've also tragically had to mention the events um, in the South, and 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 God, I I, I just get so upset when I read uh, what happened in Nashville, and because I read it now every few months, and we have to be able to do something about that. And I also reported on the success of my book, Get Trump, uh, being uh, the number one nonfiction bestseller on Amazon.com. By the way, the reason it's not the number one or any bestseller in other um, rankings is because. Uh, independent bookstores won't carry Get Trump. Apparently they don't like the title. They don't like what it stands for, even though it's not a pro-Trump elect him to office book. It's an anti-unconstitutional book about Trump, but independent bookstores uh, don't sell it. So you have to get it uh, online, either through Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Um, There are probably other sources online. If you just Google Dershowitz Get Trump, you'll find all the ways of of getting the book. It's not expensive, and it's a relatively short book. It's a a couple-hour read. What is it, 170, 181, 183 pages. You could do that in three hours, Um, and I guarantee you won't be bored. Okay, let's turn to letters. I got lots of letters today because it's obviously over a long weekend. Oh, I forgot one thing. I forgot to read you what Donald Trump said about me. Uh, He talked about me at the Waco speech, uh, quoted uh, me saying, Alan Dershowitz doesn't doesn't like me very much and doesn't vote for me. But, you know, what he said is absolutely right. But here's what he said in his it's not a tweet. It's a social media thing. I don't think he tweets, but this is on his social media platform. Alan enjoys saying I didn't vote for Trump. I believe he probably did. He just uses that phrase for added credibility. But it doesn't matter. He's a brilliant guy who wrote a very important and special book. It's called Get Trump. Mr. President, Trump, I have to tell you, I voted for Biden and I can prove it. How do I prove it? My wife, like you, had some doubts about whether I really voted for you or Biden. And so when we got our absentee ballot on Martha's Vineyard, we were there for the summer. We are residents of Florida my wife videotaped me voting for Biden. We have a videotape of me filling out the form so I can, I'm one of the few people who can prove who I voted for. Um, But I defend Trump's rights uh, not to be treated unfairly and unconstitutionally. I never confuse um, my politics and my constitutional law. I think that's why my predictions about the law have proved to be correct so much more frequently than the predictions of any of the people on CNN or MSNBC because I never confuse my politics with my legal analysis. Okay. Well, here's a letter that follows nicely. You are so intelligent and I can't understand why you would vote for Biden again after all the negative events that have happened during his presidency. The country is more divided than ever and going downhill. Look, I, I can agree with a lot of that. There have been some Uh, bad things that have happened under the Biden administration. And I wish he did a better job. But I always think of the alternatives. I support a woman's right to choose. I support gay marriage. I support concerns for the environment, reasonable gun control. Could it have stopped what happened in Nashville? I don't know. But there are too many guns out there that too many crazy people have and kill too many nice people and then themselves are willing to die. And that's the criminal law can't deter that if you're willing to go in and die. That's not gonna be something the criminal law can help. So I'm in favor of all of those things. The Republicans are not, and that's why I remain a very skeptical Democrat. Um, tonight, I'm speaking to a group of uh, Republicans who invited me to speak, uh, and the theme of my speech is why I'm not a Republican. So um, uh, y- you'll you'll be able to uh, understand why from, from what I've said. Let's go on. Uh, why don't decent lawyers collectively write an open letter to Brag in the New York Times denouncing the prosecution? Very simple reason. the New York Times wouldn't publish it. The New York Times doesn't publish things that don't fit their their narrative. Um, also, I don't know how many lawyers there are out there who would who would publicly take that position. Lawyers are not known for their um, for their courage and for their principles. And uh, I I try very hard to to live by my principles. Why is it relevant to any of the expected charges, whether or not Trump actually had relations with the porn actors? It's not, it's not. People make payments and non-disclosure agreements with people who they never met. I know because a friend of mine in California who represents a lot of Hollywood celebrities says she writes checks all the time uh, to people who claim they have had relations with uh, prominent people. The prominent people never even heard of them, never met them, but it's easier to write out a check for $100,000 than to incur the publicity that I incurred for eight years based on a false charge. So, you know, that's that's the, the reason. Hope, uh, this is an interesting one about me. Hopefully the videos will be released soon and this dirty dog gets us put down. Um, and then uh, this writer says, Jeffrey Epstein claims that uh, she watched sex tapes Pedophilia, wealthy associates. I hope there was a videotape of every minute of Jeffrey Epstein's life because that would be the obviously final and conclusive proof that I never had, never did anything wrong, which I never did. And you know, I get letters every day on my uh, um, on my posts uh, accusing me of all these charges. But um, you know, it's uh, it's not true, and it's difficult to disprove uh, a negative. But I think I've managed to. Do a pretty good job, but I hope there are videotapes. That would be great. How do I get an autographed copy of Get Trump? My dad is a, you know, a rabbit, a rabbit supporter would love your book for Father's Day. Well, you know, if you send me a copy of the book at Harvard Law School, um, I'll try my best to sign it and send it back. But I, I, I can't uh, guarantee with mail and stuff like that, but I'll try. Um. OK, Alan, you won. The O.J. case, not because of lying racist cops, but the jurors wanted O.J. acquitted as revenge for the Rodney King case. One of the jurors admitted it years later. Uh, A black male juror raised the black power fist at the end of the trial. There's only one problem with that theory, and that is there were several white jurors uh, and they voted to acquit within a very short period of time. And they certainly weren't looking for revenge over Rodney King. Look, I think jurors have mixed motives, and there are 12 of them. And uh, you may be right that there may have been one or two jurors who wanted revenge. But uh, there are other jurors, and we know it because we spoke to some of them, uh, who are focused on the the lies. Not so much the racism of the cops, but the planting of evidence. Okay. Okay, this is, I guess it's supposed to be funny, so I'll read it. Um, Professor Gershaw, let me be clear. I don't care for ham, and I have no reason to defend it, but to indict a ham sandwich is a racist phrase. Ham is not kosher. You are asserting that legal action against ham is appropriate. Why not indict matzo ball soup? That's something I love, but this will remain a bias from your metaphor. Well, we have to remember that the concept that the grand jury will indict a ham sandwich was devised by um, Judge uh, uh, Wackler, who himself was not only Jewish, but a a proud Jew. And I think all he meant was that it doesn't matter whether it's a sandwich or a defendant. If a grand jury uh, is told to indict, it will indict. All right, here's some praise. You're a real deal American, civil liberties patriot. Alan, never change, please. Uh, This is the show now. Thank you, Dersh, thank you, Rumble your integrity inspires. It's a, it's a pleasure. Uh, I ordered your book today. Thank you, Professor Dershowitz. You're an American treasure, much like Jim Bohannon. I missed Jim. Jimbo, he used to have a terrific, terrific radio talk show at night, and I, we used to be on it a lot. In fact, that's how my, my career in media started. I used to be on Larry King's radio talk show before, I wasn't going to say before television, but before cable television. So I started with Larry King, and I think Bohannon really replaced King as the go-to guy on talk, on talk, uh, um, on, t- on radio. Thank you for your insights. You explain what's going on much better than the media. Is that a picture of Don, John Dillinger, wanted, John Dillinger, wanted poster on your back wall? It is. It's an authentic, original FBI poster, believe it or not, among my collections. I collect wanted posters. I have wanted posters of my own clients um, hanging up. And I have uh, obviously Dillinger was before my time, but I have wanted posters um, and, and I collect them. And um, um, so among other things, the other day, by the way, speaking of collections, I bought at an auction, kind of a flea market auction, Um, A 1948 Brooklyn Dodger signed baseball by Jackie Robinson and the rest of the team. That's the year I really began to focus on baseball. It's the year Jackie Robinson broke into baseball. And so I really thought it was nice to be able to own that baseball in 1948. Unfortunately, the Yankees beat the Dodgers in the World Series, as they did repeatedly until 1955, uh, when the Dodgers finally, finally won. And I have framed and hanging in my office the second that Roy Campanella runs out to the mound and hugs Johnny Padres with Pee Wee Reese behind him uh, and proclaims victory, finally, for the Brooklyn Dodgers after, you, uh, um, after so many years of defeat. One final question. Did you support prosecution of Nixon before Port pardoned him? Yes, I did. I used Nixon as the paradigm of an impeachable and prosecutorial offense by a president. Uh, he obstructed justice. He uh, paid bribes. Uh, he destroyed evidence. Uh, he did all the things that should result in in prosecution. In that case, the crime came before the man, uh, whereas in the Trump case, they targeted the man, get Trump, get Trump, get Trump. And then they looked for the crime. And when they couldn't find the crime, they just uh, presented it to the grand jury anyway. I hope the grand jury will have the good sense to do the right thing and not to prosecute. And that would really vindicate the grand jury as an institution designed to protect the rights of defendants from overaggressive prosecutors. That's what it's supposed to do. I hope it does it. See you tomorrow.